This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. We have Brother Rick Vincent. I'm so excited to have him. I'm very excited about this episode and and what the Lord is going to do. Brother Vincent, why don't you just tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your ministry, and where you are right now? Brother Crooker, thank you for having me with you. It's very, uh, I count it an honor and a privilege to be able to join you on your podcast. And we pray blessings upon you. Um, I'm actually, uh, we are living in Canada. We immigrated here 14 years ago. And originally uh, from the state of Maine, um, born and raised in Maine, both Daphne and I. Um, we have three children, now they're adults, uh, and all three of them from, uh, again, raised in Maine, but uh, we immigrated as a family to Canada. Uh, we pastor the Abundant Life United Pentecostal Church uh, in Sussex, New Brunswick. It's a wonderful church family. It's apostolic. It's reaching. It's thriving. It's growing, and we're thankful for that. Um, uh, we enjoy uh, uh, reaching out in our community in various measures and uh, joining in as far as being involved with our, our local fire department and other avenues that we volunteer. And uh, anyway, we're just so thankful to be a part of the work of God. Amen. Well, praise God. I'm glad to hear it. Again, thank you so much for giving Apostolic Theory your very precious time as a pastor. I know that it can be very busy, but uh, thankful and honored that you'd carve out the time for us. Um, let's just go right ahead, and we'll go right into uh, this incredible topic of, of apostolic ministry and revival, and uh, we'll just see where the Lord leads. Sounds great. When you asked me to join you um, on apostolic theory, um I began to seek the Lord and ask him uh, what it would be that he would want me to speak upon. And, and this was a direction he gave concerning um, the apostolic power and authority. But there's a key uh, with that. And it's a key element and just simply summed up into one word. And that is having a respect, a respect. Um, it seems that perhaps it's because of the spirit of Antichrist um, that is in our world presently. I I realize that there's a lot of folks that are looking for Antichrist to appear. Now, the spirit of Antichrist is here. We are definitely looking for Jesus Christ. So our focus is occupying until he comes. But with the spirit of Antichrist upon the face of the earth right now, it seems there's a great hostility um, concerning the very existence of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But with that, there is also the disconnect with those who proclaim the truth. And so what we have is almost an Ichabod experience where the glory of the Lord is departing. And what I mean by that is simply it is necessary to have ministry to proclaim God's glory. Now, many years ago, uh, 1993, I had the privilege to be able to attend the Ethiopian crusade in Awasa, Ethiopia. 
Um, it was under the direction and invitation of uh, Elder Brother Billy Cole. And what a, a, a beautiful opportunity that was. You and I have something in common. We both have roots in the First Apostolic Church of Brewer, our pastor, uh, Brother Smith and First Lady Sister Smith. Uh, Brother Smith actually attended the Ethiopian Crusade in 1992. I never dreamed that that this would be something that I would be able to do. I was preparing uh, to head to Kenya as a short-term missionary. And it was while I was in Kenya in 1983, I became a, a tremendous, I, I had a, uh, the opportunity to, to become friends with a tremendous missionary, Brother David Ward. And um, it was with that particular contact, Brother David Ward and Sister Bonnie Ward, she, of course, they were in Tanzania. Um, Brother Cole extended an invitation to him to be able to go to Ethiopia. And it was through him that he said, Brother Cole, I... I would need somebody to actually help me to travel. Uh, Brother Cole had actually come down with hepatitis, and he said, I just need somebody to simply carry my bags. Well, you know what? I would be more than happy, you know, to carry the bags of a great man of God. In fact, that's, he, that's what he asked me. He said, Brother Vincent, would you be willing to carry my luggage? I said, I would be honored. <laughs> and uh, so wow. he, he contacted Brother uh, Cole and asked Brother Cole, uh, Brother Cole, uh, you know, the only way that I'd be able to attend is if Brother Vincent, a young missionary to uh, to Kenya, would be able to help. Uh, so I'm still recuperating from hepatitis to carry my luggage. And uh, Brother Cole said, it's the will of God. It's the will of God. <laughs> so uh, we, I, I was given that opportunity um, to be able to attend that crusade in the month of March 1993. Uh, when we went to the crusade site, Brother Crooker, the only way that I can uh, explain it to you, to for you to be able to visualize as well as your listeners, is the conference was actually outside about the size of four football stadiums together. And there was, uh, or should I say four football fields, but maybe a couple of stadiums. Um, there was over 180,000 people in attendance. Wow. I will never forget the sea of people. Brother, when we were leaving Addis Ababa to head to Owasa, um, as the closer that we got, we could see people on the hillside that were actually... Uh, droves of people that were walking in and we asked where are they going and they said they're going to the crusade site they walked for miles to get to that site brother and so again when we got there there was great anticipation because people had walked for days and days and um you know and they traveled with with uh, such meager supplies so when they got there you can about imagine you know, my thinking is they're going to be exhausted, but these folks were ready to worship and they were ready to praise the Lord. The first day um, of the crusade was a day that uh, Brother Cole felt that it was not the day for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but it was a day for miracles. 
And uh, there were many miracles, Brother Crooker. I, I witnessed a man that had received his sight. And, uh, you know, in North America, we've, we talk about these things and they happen. The God that is in the USA and the God that is in Canada, you know, is the same God that was there at the crusade site in Owasa, Ethiopia right. in 1993. Nothing has changed. Amen. But for the first time in my life, I got the opportunity to see a man who was blind receive his sight. It was it was powerful, and it was life-changing as he was describing of how he was able to see. And, and you got to remember, a man that's been blind all his life, and to see for the first time, and to see colors, and for him to describe them, this one is bright, this one is brighter, you know? And But he was seeing people and telling what he was able to see, and multiple miracles, uh, demon-possessed, were delivered. And uh, it, it was so overwhelming to see that. Um, the following day would be a day that I often draw back on, and it chokes me up because you just don't get away from a moment like that. I will never forget the next day that we went and the droves of people, Brother Crooker, that came out when, when our move, when our bus dropped us off. The people, they were reaching out just to touch us, just to touch us. It, it reminded me of the scriptures that the woman that had the issue of blood, mm. and she said, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and here we are, just servants of God, but they had such faith that God was going to heal them and meet their needs. And and here I was, you know, a, a, a young a short-term missionary from the USA seeing what it must have been like in the Bible days. It was, it was, it was overwhelming. I, the tears that began to flow when we got to the platform, Oh, the rejoicing. They had a choir that sang those people. They jumped and jumped. Now I, I have to tell you, it seemed like it was two or three people that was crammed into one square foot. I mean, they were packed in to get closer to the front. Um, when Brother Cole stepped up to begin to preach, and uh, the interpreters were translating um, into some various languages, I, I remember the moment he said, I'm going to instruct you, just wait. He had to tell them, wait, wait. They started immediately to praise the Lord. He said, no, you need to listen to the instruction. He said, he said I'm, going to, I'm going to give the command. And when I do, I want you to lift your hands. And God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And in that moment, he said, when I tell you to receive the Holy Ghost, he said, you will be baptized. And immediately he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that the presence of God moved upon the people from the youngest to the oldest. It, I, you could see the place was, was visibly changed. Now, I, I should back up here just for a moment. Before there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, he asked for everybody to repent. Brother Crooker, it was, again, about three people jammed into one square foot, but somehow they all managed to get down on their faces before God and weep and weep, and they asked God to forgive them. And after about a good half an hour, it was time for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And when he gave 
the command, receive the Holy Ghost. I, I'm telling you, the place was in such a, a visible stirring. And as the power of God settled upon the people from the youngest to the oldest, from the front to the back, all the way down to the very end. Now, uh, it, it would have been like an old brush arbor. You know, uh, they set up the post and they have branches exactly the same, except they did have some plastic out to, so the people could get some shade. And I'm telling you, they worship for a solid, solid hour or more. And after, there were people that um, were positioned through the crowd, and they began to uh, take account of how many received the Holy Ghost. It, at that time, was estimated that there was somewhere between 60 or 70,000 that was filled with the Holy Ghost. But what happened was all of these folks, they had an official count because they went back to their churches. And it was there when they went back to their churches that they discovered that there was over 80,000 people filled with the Holy Ghost all at once, at the same time, at the same place. And so, you know, Brother Kirker, I had read on, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. And and as you read, it says that there was, there was 120, but 3,000 were added to the church that day. But the largest outpouring was yet to take place. I witnessed 80,000 people filled with the Holy Ghost. And so the glory of God there was a hunger for the move of God. I, you know, that's life changing. And um, I, I remember going back to Nairobi and I was able to, to, uh, to meet with the students. I, I actually taught in the, uh, in the Bible college there. And um, some of the students were actually from Ethiopia. Uh, Brother, when I began to share with them, it, it was like, this is ordinary to us. This is These are things that we are used to. I remember some of my students, one, one in particular, he, he was actually a presbyter over uh, 30 other pastors. And uh, that's a district in some places, you know. And he told me, he says, you, you know, Brother Vincent, I've actually... I've actually been in, in prison twice for preaching the gospel. At that time, I was 23 years old. This guy's 35. He told me he's been in prison twice. I felt like going and taking a seat and saying, Brother Fitzubram, come and step up here and preach to me. He told me the prayer meetings that they had and how that God would actually lift them up in the spirit. I remember reading many years ago about a revival that was down in Texas. And, and uh, in the revival, as one of the pastors was baptizing some of the folks, the Spirit of God filled these folks. And literally the pastor had to grab them and pull them back down into the water because they started to float. They started to lift up. Um, a couple of my students from Ethiopia said, Brother Vincent, when we were in the church in Addis Ababa, he said, the spirit caught us up and we began to, we began to float, literally float in the sanctuary. 
And I said, you began to float? He said, we began to float. We were swimming, swimming in the spirit. And I began to think about that. Wow, you know, I haven't seen that in in the churches I've been in, in Maine. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. And listening, I knew they were telling the truth, of course, with the things that I've, I saw personally with my own eyes in Ethiopia. You know, why not? I mean, when we read in the New Testament how that the Spirit of the Lord uh, caught Philip up and uh, took him from the place where he had actually, you know, baptized the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch and then put him in another place. The Lord is doing these same miracles today. I mean, think about Jesus stepped into a ship one day, and as soon as he stepped in, immediately they were on the other side. So there was this teleporting. So it's in the day that we live in, uh, you know, we haven't, we've only seen the tip, not even that, but the tip of the iceberg of what God has for us. Greater things than these shall you do. But there's something here, Brother Crooker, that I, I wanted to share, and that was the people of Ethiopia. I'll never forget the words that, that Brother Cole said. He says, the reason why they have a move of God is because of the love and respect that they have one for another and the ministry. And I was like, oh my, that's powerful. And I remember, you know, when we were in Owasa and we got our hotel, there were, uh, you know, uh, there were folks there that uh, were from the headquarters church. We stayed in a hotel and of course it it was not a five-star hotel. It wasn't even a one-star hotel. And, and I noticed that many of my brothers and sisters in their hotel rooms, you know, they were actually washing their floors. And uh, the stuff that they were dumping out, it proved they weren't, <laughs> they needed a good washing. And I remember the dear sister from the Ethiopian, uh, one of them that was from the Addis Ababa church, she said, my brother, let me go in and, and wash the floor uh, for you and Brother Ward. And, and at that time, you know, I remember saying, oh, oh, no, that's okay. I can get it. And she looked at me with such sadness in her eyes. And she says, I want to. I said, no, no, I couldn't expect you to do it. And she looked at me and she said, but why? I am your sister. And, and it just broke. It broke me, you know, that statement. Yes, you are my sister. She said, we're family. And of course, I I knew that already, but the way that she said it, it was more than just words. You know, we sing the song, you're my brother, you're my sister, take me by the hand. But I'm telling you the level of love and respect. Now, mind you, at the time I was 23 years old, Brother Kruger, (laughs) and teaching in a Bible college, men that had, some of them again, had already been to prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and And uh, here I was just, I was feeling so unqualified, you know, to be able to sit down and bring the word to such devoted men. I mean, their devotion, you would hear them at 4.30 in the morning praying, but not just that, they would have foot washings, literally, and communion together every single morning, the love and respect that they had toward each other, and they have toward each other is amazing. I can't tell you how many times I would be on my way to the classroom and uh, there would be men that were older than me. And 
they would come alongside and they, I'd feel his hand and this tug. And suddenly my briefcase was being pulled away. I said, hey, he said, oh, he said, pastor, pastor, let me carry your briefcase. I said, and of course, in my way of thinking is, oh, no, that's not necessary. No, you must let me. You are my teacher and I'm your brother. (laughs) And so, wow, what a level of Mm. respect. Of course, the church that we grew up in, Brother Crooker, I'm sure that you were able to to see the great level of respect that the congregation and showed toward uh, Pastor Smith. If there were things to be done, you know, um, at that time, the church, of course, was heated with wood. And uh, we would have, you know, I remember those weekends, we'd, we'd go and we'd make sure that the wood was split and piled in the basement. I'm No doubt you oh, had yes. a part of that, yes, too. Yes, sir. Okay. But I remember Pastor, he had the big home, and his big home, and also it, it took a lot of wood. And uh, I remember at times that... Uh, the young men, we'd say, no, we don't want pastor to do that. And we went up to his house and we sacked his wood, you know, just wanting that. He taught us a level of love. There was, there was nothing that he would expect from us that he wouldn't do himself. And he always showed love and honor. He honored the ministry. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. But, you know, looking at this Ethiopian our Ethiopian brothers and sisters and our Kenyan brothers and sisters, the level of respect, having love and respect one for another. Uh, can I share with you a scripture? Absolutely. Okay, Second Corinthians 4, 1 through 6, it says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we mm. faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. Now here's this. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake, for God, who commended the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So if the glory of God, you know, I, I mentioned in the beginning that this generation, there's an antichrist spirit filled with hostility that is against Jesus, the message of Jesus, and against those who proclaim it. And so it's almost like an Ichabod situation where the glory of God, if the spirit of Antichrist could prevail, but the church, thank God for the church. That's why there's not chaos. <laughs> you know, the church hasn't been lifted off this earth. And so the message, in order for the glory of God to be revealed, it is revealed by the preaching of the word of God. And so we need to have preachers. Um, and so this should bear, we should bear in mind with this, it, it gives the great implications on how we treat each other and how we treat those who are part of the ministry. Um, any country, Brother Crooker, that's experiencing a powerful manifestation of the glory of God has a love and respect for each other. And they've got a love and respect to the ministry. Uh, Paul writes it like this in 2 Corinthians, uh, again, chapter 4, verse number 6. He said, 
made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So it's the task. When you think about the pastor, the youth pastor, Sunday school teachers, um, and you begin to think about the men's director, ladies' director, when you think of every child of God who bears the ministry of reconciliation, and so we are to share the, the, the message of hope, the gospel, the death, burial, and the resurrection, we are sharing the glory of God. And so it's his majesty. So if we discount each other, if we discount our brother, if we discount our sister, or if we treat the ministry, uh, our pastors, like they're a dime a dozen, we're in contempt. You know, uh, ministry, when you think about it, sometimes we just think about it as a pulpit ministry. But the church, you know, I thank God for every pastor. And I thank God for every Sunday school teacher. We are the body of Christ. So consequently, in North America, there is an antichrist spirit that tries to uh, anesthetize the hearts of believer um, to feel free to make maybe disparaging remarks about the body of Christ, about ministry. And as a result of it, the lack of love, the lack of respect, what it does is it brings a decay and it brings a diminishing to the glory of God in congregations. If you visit a place where there's not a move of God and it, that place is bound up tight, the glory lacks, no doubt, it's, it, it's, it, you, you probably could pinpoint it to a lack of respect and a lack of love. Now, of course, if, if, if there is a, um, a falling into sin and just a covering over, that place is going to lack the glory of God. But I've seen it to where there have been schisms and disputings. Um, sadly, in some places, uh, ministry, church family. You know, we live in a gated community, Brother Kirker, and to, to get into some places, um, you know, you're standing and you're pushing buttons to try to, the days of, uh, of trying to just door knock, it seems we've been met with more challenges to in, invite people to church. Um, and, and so, we live in gated communities, but I wonder if some of this has actually crept into the church where people in their, in their thoughts, uh, when they come in, instead of having like a, a Solomon attitude, when God asked Solomon, you know, is there, what is it that you desire for me? And Solomon said, I'm not going to think of me. I'm going to think of we. I, I want to be able to help the people. Sometimes when people come to church, they just, you know, they grab a pew, they sit there. And as far as interacting with the body and making a connection, it's like, okay, church is something that is convenient for them as long as it's not about making connections. So um, when this disconnect happens, there's a distrust. And in fact, that spirit of Antichrist almost uh, paints a picture of, of basically don't get too close to people. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't get too close uh, to uh, your brother, your sister, or don't get too close uh, to the ministry. Don't get too close to the youth pastor, to the Sunday school teacher, to your pastor, whatever. But when this happens, it takes away from the effectiveness to present the glory of God. There has to be that balance, of course. I'm not saying that we worship ministry. I'm not saying you worship the pastor. 
I'm not saying you worship the leaders of Sunday school or youth or or any of the ladies ministry or the men's or or, or whatever outreach, the uh, you know, uh, directors. Jesus does not want us to make um, people an idol. And it's possible to do that. Um, we're not tiny gods that are walking around on the earth to be worshipped. Um, but having a part in the ministry, we're called to engage people and also to equip them and empower them to have a manifestation of the glory of God. Hey, just uh, yesterday, um, in my office, there was a young man that received the Holy Ghost a few weeks ago. And, and yesterday in my office, the youth pastor came in and said, and, and as well as a young, two young men, one of the young men, again, had just received the Holy Ghost and his friend that had invited him to church they wanted a Bible study, so we taught him a Bible study. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, I want to get baptized. I need to get baptized. He immediately got a hold of his mother. You know, in, in my mindset for the meeting, I'm thinking, okay, this kiddo is probably going to call his mom, maybe get mom here on Sunday, family. But he was like, I don't want to wait. I want to get this done. And I looked at the young man that had invited him. And I told him, I said, Anthony, you have made a difference. You made an investment. Man, you, you chose to invest of yourself and to use your ministry. And to, you, you've actually engaged yourself. You know, that's what it's about. It's reaching out. It's engaging. And, and, and that Bible study, he said, Pastor, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to teach. I want to work this together and to, uh, to equip them and see them empowered. But as a result of it, the glory of God was manifested. And mm. uh, thank God for that. But ministry, of course, you know, your ministry here with apostolic theory, it is a vessel by which the presence of God can touch the hearts of men, women, and young people that may never go to church right now, but they log on to your podcast and they're listening in and God is moving on their hearts in their homes. And so you're using this means as a vessel for the glory of God to reach them. Amen. So it's about him. It's not us. We're just conduits. That's all what it's about. So it's about Jesus, you know, and, uh, but I do believe that uh, from children to adults, we definitely need to raise the alarm and say, you know what? Uh, we, we've got to do what's necessary to make sure that North America, that we experience a move of God like never before. And we give honor to whom honor is due. We give honor to the body of Christ. We love and respect and we make the connections because if we don't, there's a decaying disease that will affect the body and it weakens our faith and we become cynical over time and then eventually it will cause mm. people to leave the church. Um, so it is a great love and respect uh, for each other. I, I believe, brother, and uh, that it is about our attitude. Mm. You know, I, I remember... Um, I remember years ago that my pastor said something to me and he was giving me instruction. And because he said it, I, I knew immediately, you know, I've got to do something about it. And it was funny. I was actually in his office 
And I said, okay, pastor, can I use your phone? And uh, um, he said, uh, sure. And so I, he was actually telling me that he thought I needed to be very careful concerning a young person. He said, I noticed that you like her. And, um, and he said, you know, I, I would just, I would just be careful. I would just be careful. I mean, there was nothing uh, that was happening that was unchristlike or anything like that. But he just felt something that she really wasn't the one for me. Uh, and I wasn't the one for her. And so he didn't want my emotions to get all stirred up. So, so I picked up the phone and I went out in the hall and uh, I said, listen, we're just going to be friends. I, we were teenagers, 16, 17 years, 17, I think, years old. And I said, I, I think we just need to be friends, you know. And uh, I, when I came back in, Pastor said, oh, who'd you call? I said, well, I called her up. You called her up? I said, yeah. He said, what did you say? I said, I said we just need to be friends. <laughs> and he said, well, why, you know, why would you do that? And I said, well, Pastor, I said, because you told me that you didn't feel right about it. And so... If you don't feel good about it, I, I am going to, I, I don't want there to be a disconnect. I, I respect, I respect what you have to say. In fact, brother, and, and I'll, I, I don't mean to be taking so much time here. This is such an this exciting is good. topic. No, this is good. Uh, I remember years ago um, when I was working with brother and sister Kira in Cherryfield, Maine. Uh, they were getting ready to leave for Warland, Wyoming, and... I was praying. I said, Lord, I need a word from you. I need a word. And uh, would you please, please give me a word that would uh, be of a surety? And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, pastor's away in Kenya and Ethiopia. And when he gets home, would you allow him to come home with a word for me? And you know what, Brother Crooker, as soon as he got home, he called up and he says, uh, Brother, Brother Rick, I, I need to talk to you. He said, while I was in Kenya, God gave me a word from the Lord for you. And so I, I've, I've got a word for you. And, uh, you know, there was no questioning <laughs> what it was, you know, and I had that confidence. But to have that kind of confidence and submission, uh, obedience, um, you know, when you think about it, uh, it's it's one thing to have outward uh, mechanics, but it's another thing to have a heart of love and respect. Submission implies a sweet spirit and cooperation. You know, the body of Christ. Things can happen, and, uh, and, and we know that. But within North America, we are yet to see, and God has it for us, a mighty manifestation of the power of God as love and respect would be within our lives. Um, you know, there's no place to be abusive to the body of Christ. There's no place to be abusive uh, to, to ministry. Um, and there's a, a way I believe that we can affect effectively minister. And that is to pray one for another. I believe brother Crooker, when we make an investment of prayer, uh, prayer is not just a polite gesture, um, but it is showing that we are family. And it's a way to lay hold of the power of God and for the glory of God to be manifest. Uh, it was a few years back. I 
I, I wasn't happy about the direction of our country here in Canada. And I was saying something about our prime minister. I said, I wish things would change. And God smote my heart. And uh, he said, have you prayed for him? And I said, no, Lord, I haven't. He said, why don't you pray for your leader? And so I said, God, I will do that. And I remember getting on my knees and I started to weep and I asked God to forgive me. And God showed me, he said, I had a Daniel. I had a Daniel that would pray for world leaders. In fact, you know, I, I even uh, had those that uh, were actually uh, kings. He called Nebuchadnezzar his servant, you know. And, and so when you begin to look at God's hand, there is no one that's in power that God, it, it's catching him unawares. And so investing in prayer, I, I, I made up my mind at that moment, Brother Kirker, I was going to pray and pray for pray for uh, our, our world leaders, uh, well, our prime minister. And also I pray for our president, I pray for our vice president, but I don't stop there. I pray for our leaders of, of the church. I pray for my superintendent, our presbyters. I pray for my pastor. Uh, God began to remind me of the apostle Paul and how Paul said, I, I make mention of you in my prayers. In fact, he said daily, and, and, you know, it, it gripped my heart. He must have had a large prayer list, Brother Kirker. Yeah. He must have had a large prayer I realize <laughs> prison ministry, you know, you have a lot of yeah. time on your hands. <laughs> but to pray, when you pray for somebody, you know, it, it ignites you. Mm. You're making an investment. The greatest gift that somebody could give to me is to tell me, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. Because if they do that, they're giving me a gift. And they're, and they're open to receive a gift. And that's how the connection happens. Somebody who's willing to give a gift is always has an open heart to receive. And so, you know, think about it. Sisms are fixed when we pray. If you give the gift of praying for somebody, and I mean praying and just laying it out, not, oh, God, change him, change him. Let him see my point of view. But God, please, that's my brother. Like that lady that was from uh, the uh, Addis Ababa church, and she wanted to wash our floor. And I, and I just felt like, oh, no, I, I can't let you do that. Why? But you're my brother. You're my brother. Brother Crooker. Wow. Yeah. I feel the Holy yeah. Ghost so powerful right now, brother. You know, I believe that we would have less schisms and less trouble mm. if we would make that connection and pray. It's really hard to dislike somebody if you pray for them. Yeah. Love and respect. Love and respect. Love and respect. Amen. Wow. I feel his presence here, brother. Yes, sir. Oh, 
what a blessing, what a blessing this has been. And uh, I, I don't, I don't take it lightly that I feel the presence of God so strong right now. I just don't know that there's anything else to say for this moment. And I don't want to take away from or try to add to what I know God is doing in somebody's heart that's going to hear this. Jesus. So we'll leave it at that. I want to thank you so much again. This has been incredible. This has been a blessing. I received a word from the Lord, and I know, I know somebody else will. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Crooker. Thank you for your ministry. Thanks for having me. And uh, may God bless you, and God bless every one of your listeners. May somebody be filled with the Mm. Holy Ghost in their home that would be listening to this, maybe even as they're driving. Mm. Had a little girl that uh, in the church, she'd been praying. She'd been praying for the crooker. And she was a little apprehensive as far as just nervous, anxious when a lot of people got around her. But in her bedroom, all by her lonesome, I told her, I said, you keep praying, you keep praying. But in her bedroom, all by her lonesome, she started to thank God and worship him. And Jesus filled her with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I love it when kids can say, I got the Holy (laughs) Ghost, you know. Yeah, And I believe that God would fill somebody. Maybe, you know, Brother Crooker, I, I feel this in the spirit, mm. that there's somebody that just needs an encouragement and they, they've kind of stepped away. Somebody that's going to hear this, you know, they've kind of stepped away from where they need to be. And uh, the Lord is going to renew them. The Lord is going to renew them right now. Praise God. Amen. It's going to be okay. Things are going to work out. And to, to go ahead and make that choice, you go ahead, be in church on Sunday. Your pastor, first lady there, they love you. Your church family, they love you. Make your way back. There's revival for us. There's Amen. revival. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.